Hello and welcome to yet another episode of On My Ones podcast. My name is Alvin Thuo and I shall be your host for this show. So guys, this is episode 8. Two more till the season finale. I'm excited. I know I've been missing for the entire month, but let me tell you guys, November was uh was a really stressful month for me school-wise, so had to take a back seat a bit and uh fix that end but other than that I'm back and today I am joined by my boy the man uh-huh. himself yeah yeah needs no introduction so I let him do it all by himself because I wouldn't do him justice so my guy my guy welcome 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 tell us who you are thanks 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 hi guys uh my name is Jerome Jerome Kimani I am a student architect i guess uh, architecture student i'm also uh, a budding orator or speaker um and also i'm into writing quite a bit so i could call myself a writer and i think um overall like the only thing the, the reason i'm all of these things or the reason i'm trying to be all of these things is because i guess i'm an artist so yeah i'm looking forward to to this chat I mind. So tell me about your week. How's how's your week been this particular week? Wow, this week has been fantastic, bro. It's been it's been wonderful, nice. It's been kitty sweet, fantastic. Okay. Um I have I have basically okay, I've got a lot of stuff done. Uh-huh. Um I've moved back to Juja because I my school is in Juja side, so I moved back to my bed sitter. <laughs> um this week has basically just been settling in. I know it's weird. It's like holiday season but for me it's like crunch time because because of corona, you know, things slowed down and we haven't gone back to school for a while so I just came back to to get some work done. So this week has just basically been settling in into a new routine. Um oh. and it's been happening. I mean it's been it's been really good. So today is today's Thursday. I've been here since Monday and yeah, things have been really really looking good for me so i'm happy yeah so that entire time before monday you were just at home yeah yeah, yeah i was at home <laughs> since march since march the 14th bro it's eh. mm-hmm. at some point i didn't even realize i was at home like you don't as in it didn't really hit you until you come back and you're alone like i think i not really struggled with it but it's been It's taken a while to get used to the silence of being you know without the noise of other people around you yeah. for the whole day because yeah. i'm sure like you're you're used to like your bros and your sister just like making noise in the house Jerome, Jerome, Jerome. <laughs> wow. bro man i usually i usually have like my earphones dialed up to to 100 man uh-huh. it's, it's It's like a school sometimes you know guys are just screaming other times people are just walking in and out you know but it's good i mean i i got used to it corona is mm-hmm. actually a time in terms of not just getting used to people but i mean being in everyone else's space you learn just how to co- coexist mm-hmm. and yeah I, i don't blame i mean actually i'm glad it happened because um i'd gotten used to you know this whole be living by yourself i'm sure even you understand like even though you have like a roommate you get used to this this um this workflow or this 
environment of chilling by yourself, then when you get back home, it's really, you know, it's a good thing, but it takes a while to adjust. And it's a, it's a, depending on how you look at it, you have to really look at it, you know, like good lens, but it's, it's yeah, it's definitely, I'm glad Corona happened in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know for me, on my end, I don't think too much changed with uh, the onset of Corona because number one, like I've always been away from home uh, for quite a long time. And then the only weird thing was like, now I can't see my friends. And this entire thing of like video chat is a bit... It's a bit off for me because I I prefer seeing people face to face, like seeing your reactions as to you know when I'm telling you something, you know the banter when you're in person is very different from when you're just like doing it from the other side of a screen. Um, but sorry, go ahead. I'm saying it must have been like tough getting used to the not seeing people's your friends and and everything. Yeah, but I mean, luckily things here opened up, but technically yeah. the US at that time hadn't been hit by like other places. Um, but slowly by slowly, I think towards August is or August or June is when people even started wearing masks. You guys, I'm telling you, we didn't wear masks at all. <laughs> so people used to ask me like, ah, do you wear a mask? I'm like, why do I need a mask? Like, here we're chilling. <laughs> hey, no wonder. Hey, it's okay, man. It's okay. Now you, now you see why, like, cases are very bad here. It's because yeah, now yeah. is when people are like, oh, yeah, this thing is real. We need to wear a mask, you know, type of thing. But yeah, that's, man. Um, so, you know, I have to tell people how we met because there's some people who actually don't know, like, how we encountered each other. But, yeah. Um, so guys, I think, eh, not, I think I know <laughs> Jerome and I were in the same high school. So we met in high school. Um, honestly, I don't remember how exactly we met, but I'm guessing I'm guess- it was, um, through rugby. It was, yeah. I mean, we were actually to think about, if you think about it, we were just, I mean, acquaintances, but then I think we actually became closer when you when you moved from Langata towards to when you came to Loresho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was around when form three or form four. Hey, true, true, true. I did. We did move in form three. Actually, yeah. that that makes sense now. Yeah. But I feel like every time we used to meet in school, like because it was like A and Alpha, you just like holla, say hi, stab me. Dogo, and then next time I see you would be like, I don't know, the next day or like Friday or something when we're playing team sports. <laughs> Man, I miss team sports. Man, I miss team sports. Man, ah, gosh. That thing made my, my high school life, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. As, as, as remarking with somebody the other day, how Playing volleyball in team sports is like one of the most gut-wrenching experiences. You know how each team has a good volleyball player. And when it gets to their south, you're like, yo, <laughs> yo. And then 
things go from bad to worse. Like you're winning the set, then all of a sudden you miss one, and then the whole team just crumbles. It was like a whole behavioral science experiment, man. Not that. Team sports was mad. Oh, gosh. And then another weird thing about team sports is how people used to get vexed at the slightest of things. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Superstar mentality, man. You're like, oh, you guys, man, how do you, how do you even, how do you miss a layup, you guys, man, you guys just get out of here. <laughs> then there used to be like serious rivalries, by the way. Things like people. Um, what else is there? Football, okay. But generally, there were times like two teams, one in A, one in Alpha, is just not doing the most. Then you guys are like, yeah, we're going to play in football. Hey, I live for those days, man. No, but it was it was nice. It was nice. Like, I don't know if you guys would agree and say like high school was such a fantastic experience in terms of learning how to deal with people. Because obviously, like in sports, everyone has like a different character. So trying to yeah. integrate all those characters for you guys to achieve whatever, like, like let's say to win the game is quite a difficult yeah. one. And also, obviously, yeah. like high school and its dramas, I'm sure like the listeners who were in boarding school can tell you that their experience was obviously different from ours. I mean, but you Ooh. went to Funkies, and me, I know I've never yeah. experienced Funkies in my life. Yeah. It was, yeah. I think Funkies were the one, I okay, for those who don't know, we went to Strath School. So that's a private day boys school. And generally, most people our age, like most of the demographic went to boarding schools. So Funkies were like our one, our one experience. Okay, sometimes sports, if, you, if you're lucky, or drama, but drama was very, drama came in one, like in what, that form three. Mm-hmm. So Funkies, music festivals were like your one experience to actually go out and see the reality of other people who live in, like in, in I mean in boarding school. Of course that means um I mean to see them actually in school because of course you have your friends back home who come back from boarding school. But yeah, I think just I I, I dare say that going joining Quine from <clears throat> in form one, and I've said this mm-hmm. before, I opening experiences for me and uh, yeah, yeah, for me and the guys who I went with. Because hey you know, you know, there's this, there's this stereotype mm. about strap guys, about how we're talking and everything. And you, you realize, I mean, there's, a, there's an element of it that's shyness because you just don't, you're not used to interacting with these kind of people. Mm-hmm. But there's also an element of it that is, yeah, the funky experience was definitely one of my, yeah, one of the top things, the best things that happened to me in high school. So, and there's something you talked about. About how, yeah, I mean, we, you and I could say with certainty that high school was really an exciting experience for us. So I'm glad, I mean, on top of the, the really good experience that many, many people can't say they had, I also got to experience that side of Funkies, which was another, a whole other facet that's just beautiful, man. It was, yeah, especially mm-hmm. doing it with choir. And we were, hey, we were the shit back then. Well, hey, yeah. we, were, we were doing really well. <laughs> yeah, so hey, it was nice, man. It was, yeah. 
because obviously like with the singing and everything i'm sure like all of you just had girls like jerome jerome sing for me <laughs> oh uh okay don't sing for me but it's like almost the opposite like you know let me sing for you mm-hmm. and then <laughs> i remember there's a time this guy um abu abraham sorry abu winchester um this guy was in from he was, he was two years older than us he's actually the guy who became the guitarist for the band there's a time you see me okay something about me i've never been the kind of guy who's very um out there about singing for people my best friend abna he's the opposite he just starts singing just be breaking to a song for for a girl and she they are like oh and i'd be like ah no i can't do it because i don't know i'm just not i, I don't do it i sometimes sneak in like an excuse so there's a time when first abu was just like yo these girls want you to sing for them and he just said playing lazizi on cue like it was so crazy and me what did i do I'm in front of girls, concert in Makini. I even I remember some of them. Um, <laughs> I remember. I remember. Um, her name is Michelle, I think. Michelle Mendy. Yeah, this was this was 2014, man. So I mean, Abu just started playing the chords for Lazizi, and me I started thinking, and my you know that that feeling of you just it's not really blushing, but you go from feeling weak. All of a sudden you're feeling like you're the shit mm-hmm. it was <laughs> it was it was really nice then that that followed that that followed me to to uni like when i did a short stint at strap uni mm-hmm. i remember as a time for sharon mundia <laughs> shout out to sharon um same kind of thing i think it was her birthday and then yeah we just we just organized with someone i think it was muyoro and we just went and said see for her in stc It's nice man. It's, it's good to have these things up your sleeve. I mean, as much as I'm shy about it sometimes, definitely like nothing can replace that smile of somebody who's not expecting it or somebody who genuinely like appreciates it and isn't, you know, uncomfortable. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Plus yeah, you guys, I think Strath had this um Strath had this thing well. um you during valentine's day so you'd sing for people right uh-huh, yeah. and i remember i think there's a time i know sharon doesn't know this but i guess it's time to reveal it <laughs> so it was me marvel and um i don't know who else i think donald we went yeah. and we said that you guys should sing for sharon so you know sometimes a girl can think that there's another guy who like you know yeah. did all these things but it was actually us so Sharon when you listen to this just know it was us no. who did that in 2017 no one of the guys actually did the singing yeah it was it was definitely yeah. us yeah. yes yes <laughs> that's amazing bro hey two years later we're uncovering the truth behind hey you guys are really lovely people you know has done material okay yeah so let's now we can like prop i can properly begin and i'll take you back a bit you know down memory lane because i don't think this is one thing i've ever talked about with you but 
tell me about like your childhood like yeah. where did you grow up um you know how was the farm situation mm-hmm. at that time if you your siblings your parents yeah oh, okay um <clears throat> so i had a pretty um a pretty lovely actually a pretty lovely childhood mm-hmm. i grew up in sides of mountain view mm-hmm. kangemi um generally I've, i've actually lived in that place my whole life um i was born there and i still live there this this beautiful estate mm-hmm. um <laughs> one of these estates all the kids there speak english so you could say i don't know upper middle class kind of thing mm-hmm. uh and of course later on i realized it's a good bad thing i mean it has its upsides mm-hmm. but the downside is definitely not living in a neighborhood like buru or langata where most people just play ball outside and speak shang mm-hmm. i mean it's definitely you definitely at some point if you want to get along with people you have to find a way of getting that street smart side of you you know that um speaking shang kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, that it's sort of i guess i don't like using this word but you, i'm learning your privilege you know Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh that, that has sort of come now in uni um because I went to a public university and in Jaquat Jaquat Juja Juja boys woo shout out um so yeah um that's pretty much where I've been raised my whole life um come from uh family five kids my yeah. dad and mom um there are four four guys and and a girl Mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i love this part because i realize even guys like my big bro jp a lot of my self <clears throat> identity and a lot of the good things that you probably see in me or if you know me a lot of that good is has come from them has come from it's just a reflection of the good that these people bring out in me and the rest and the fact that i basically lived in their shadow in a good way like a protective shadow Yeah. So yeah. Um went to high school. I've pretty much always been an artistic kind of guy. And until <clears throat> until uni is when I realized it's yeah, it's probably a lot more than than most people, especially the side of creativity and ideas and that kind of stuff. So uh pre-uni it was when I discovered I mean I can draw at least a, a little better than most people. Mm-hmm. then by prime realize oh yeah i'm one of the artists of the class but i didn't do much with it mm-hmm. same with high school i was just a double like class 7 i did a few really good paintings class and from one from two then i sort of chilled <clears throat> so it's it's like that artist side of me of course now in high school sort of took another turn which is music and choir and that kind of stuff and especially after high school i realized that it's it's developed more than music for me is more than just being able to sing well but it's also about the fact that i'm blessed with a really good ear so for melody and harmony and that's actually how i met one of our good friends maniki <laughs> that's how i developed I mean, that's how i developed my love for jazz guitar even though i'm not really as good as i as i would i mean i would be if i started at the same time as him but yeah um So yeah high school for me was 
was pretty calm. I mean, I mean, I had some an amazing experiences, like I just talked about. Yeah. And now, transitioned to to Jaquat, where I'm doing architecture. And I mean, up until a few years ago, I mean, up until like last year, <clears throat> um, I've actually started to come into my own and start, you know, crafting this side of, of me. But <clears throat> basically. I'm just trying to align. Oh yeah, wait. I, I forgot to mention there's a big step like between high school and uni. I joined Quiver, the the art collective, the performing arts guys. Yeah. The couple of, and it was it was really fantastic. I mean that experience was. Check them out by the way on Instagram. I'm just shamelessly plugging them here. They do also <laughs> Sadly, because of Corona, we can't have any shows right now. We do a lot of theater stuff, but I mean, yeah, those those experiences were quite, quite, yeah, they were quite amazing, man. So, so yeah, we'll uh, get into them. We'll get into them. Just pause, pause on that. Don't don't say too much. Don't reveal everything, Tayari, by now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so before like I get into the entire quiver thing, I'm just gonna ask yeah. you. Where did your appreciation and love for music come from? Like, if you look back, where do you think it really came from? Um, I think it came from my dad, uh, partly, mm-hmm. um, but also because. So, so my dad has always been. My dad is like the the person I get. The, the music outside of my artistic my artistry from I guess because he's he's always been a singer like when we go to church he actually insists in a good way in a good nature way he insists that we sing along to the songs and that kind of thing and he's always been very good with pitch and harmony and that kind of thing so I very naturally picked it up and towards maybe somewhere like class five class six around the time XFM was coming out, I was listening to a lot of, a lot of, you could say rock. Mm-hmm. Maroon 5, Paramore, mm-hmm. um, and all of that was jumbled up with the, the Kiss 100 that used to just play for us and repeat things like Chris Brown, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So from there, I sort of developed, even though I can't say I'm like, and I don't have a really widespread appreciation for the, the best types of music, like the, the finer types. It's still, it's still here and there, but, and I don't like really focus on everything. I think that's also part of my, my personality. Um, mm. But but that's where I could say it came from. Like, and also when I was in primary school, like here in the choirs in, in school and that kind of thing, so I know you told me about uh, your appreciation for music coming from your dad and you talked about also like influences from radio stations because I know for yeah. sure when we were when we were kids like classic FM had the jams I feel like back yeah. then I didn't know myself but uh-huh. now every time in fact yesterday I was listening to um boys to men i was listening to end of the mm-hmm. road man uh-huh. it's i i'm telling you back then i didn't realize that it was such a fantastic song 
But yesterday, man, I was even about to cry. I was, I was, I was in the feels. <laughs> Loves, man. And then also, um, uh, I think it was Mina and Churchill in the morning. Yeah. As well, they're very funny. And I think you, there's a time you even texted me to tell me about, like, I don't know, you had my dad on the radio station or something like that. Yeah, what was yeah, that? Um, I think it was stuff about running. Uh-huh. I had had him, yeah, on a registration. It's funny you mentioned that, by the way. I actually got into running because of your dad. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just recently. But yeah, um, yeah, radio for, for, for Kenyan youth, like it has this very subliminal influence <clears throat> on the music you like. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you're young, you hear these songs. Is Tevin Campbell, can we talk for a minute? Then, like later on, yeah. you have similar experiences, and these songs just slap mm-hmm. like an African mother. My gosh, as in, yeah, it's Classic FM, I think, is one of those stations that has that. Of course, when they, when they don't overdo things, because sometimes they just play the same songs over and over again, then occasionally they drop one gem that you never had, then you shazam it. Mm-hmm. Go listen to a whole Nina Simone album or or James Ingram, and you're like, yo, these guys were man. I understand what our parents, why our parents used to look like that and dress like that and actually, you know, clown for each other because the guys were singing. <laughs> these guys used to sing, man. These guys used to get them in their fields, man. So, yeah, yeah. Wait, do you do you feel like? R&B music has greatly changed from what it was, or do you think like now it's starting to turn, turn like go back full circle to where we were in the past, in the 90s and all that? Wow. Um, I haven't analyzed it much. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I say I knew, but I think we're living in a time, that, that full circle thing, I think I felt it with some few people, like there's some artists like people like her, you know, mm-hmm. who just even their influences. <clears throat> when you hear who influences their music, you realize that these guys have a very, um, a very backwards look on things. But with, I mean, looking forward, but taking a lot from almost like sampling, you know. Yeah. And like, I think I can liken it to fashion. The way some things go out of fashion, then like come back. I mean, things are popping. Things that were popping when our parents wore them now are coming back. Like mom jeans, you know. Converse, okay, Converse sneakers have been there forever. But anyway, mm-hmm. I think that's where, that's where we are. But definitely, it's a new sound, a new kind of. Of course, also the whole internet and SoundCloud musicians and people getting really discovered really early. Mm-hmm. means that we have so much choice we have so much variety <clears throat> which is good because guys are not really urged to be other people guys are actually being themselves and getting appreciated for who they are as opposed mm-hmm. to having to grow up I mean grow into you know you do do you do what the record label says for a few years before you actually grow into your own to start producing something that sounds like you authentically mm-hmm. So, so yeah, uh, that's what I think. So just coming from uh, all these influences you've had, <clears throat> so in primary school, like what 
what pushed you to join like the choir was it like people who are like oh you know Jerome you can sing I think you should you know try out the choir and then you can also talk about like um for you what exactly does singing represent and then how did you get into like playing instruments as well to accompany yourself wow um so getting into singing was just a matter of chance <laughs> Mm-hmm. um luckily because i had been i had been in strap since since i was since back then i had gone through this phase of seeing the the legends of strap music like andrew tumbo mm-hmm. and i had just i mean it had been a picture in the back of my mind you know you see these guys performing in like prize giving day or talent show and you're like i mean i sing in the shower so maybe one day <laughs> i can get the confidence or something like that then my best friend abna shout out to him again around class 7 when there was this big musical being done in strath he was like yo let's go join the choir man and Sounds he did like <laughs> yeah yeah he was i mean he just got this impulse idea and we didn't really follow through with it because i think auditions had passed so like guys like you know rafael nganga this this, this guy with the one of the most amazing voices i've ever had to this day Rafael Nganga he when he was in primary now he was like one of the stars of that show you know like class mm. 6 so as much as we weren't really jealous of these guys we were just like i mean if we get this opportunity in high school we'll we'll jump on it mm-hmm. so we had choir auditions and this time I was, Abner again was like yo let's go for auditions and I was like fine let's go and then we went and we we joined the choir luckily we joined at a place where there was a lot of inf- there was like a lot of composers mm-hmm. and they were really good at it it was a very high achieving uh, it was a, it was a choir that had very high standards mm-hmm. um so we quickly you know you know found our way we, we found our way and started to you know develop as singers mm-hmm. as musicians from then i said to realize my my limitations in my voice and also the good things about the, my about my voice sorry mm-hmm. so by the time from three happened like the choir sort of started to die cuz tumbo left after from two yep but again um um uh, moniki had just suggested cuz he was getting really good at guitar he just suggested yo let's do something for talent show mm-hmm. and we decided to do it and i think that's around the time i got interested in guitar because i saw how good these guys were were playing mm-hmm. and how i remember two years prior these guys were just you know green and you know they were amateurs and now they're just they, they seem to know what they're doing mm-hmm. so slowly but surely i just started to listen to moniki and this friend of ours called witty practicing like when we were preparing for talent show and everything and for mm-hmm. me as one of the guy who'd hear the chords and ask you know what's that chord bro mm-hmm. uh, hey what's that you've done i mean we did this song by papa wemba i think it was in part from 3 mm-hmm. and monique was playing some fire chords and he just showed them to me and from there i just started getting my interest in playing guitar mm-hmm. and every other chance that i got to sing with a friend of ours like this this called adrian is the french uh, songs that we, we just got the chance and like yo let's practice we sing because we can you know mm-hmm. uh, i said taking up these opportunities because 
yeah, when you realize you're good at something, there's this thing called the, the confidence competence loop. I mean, you, you, you grow in confidence as you grow, as your competence also increases. So, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doki Dogo, you, you don't even ask. Like when you're told, Yo, you want to sing, you're like, yeah. And then slowly but surely, I said, you know, picking up the strings. So by form four, I was I was pretty decent at playing basic chords, mm-hmm. but I was also embellishing them very well because of the influence of Maniki. Mm-hmm. So uh, after Form 4, that sort of stalled, but I just learned to play a bit more by ear and just experiment with the chords because, I mean, I had a lot of time and I had a, one of my, my dad had a guitar, so I'd, I'd use it to play and the rest. Mm-hmm. And from there, I think... For me, what music represents really um, is just because I can say without without a doubt I'm lucky, and I'm lucky I have I've been endowed with this thing for ear and like a an ear for harmony, and I know when the how the bass should sound, <clears throat> and given the chance I can like direct a choir, you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But of course. I mean, those dreams of doing music full-time mm-hmm. were there in high school, but slowly but surely I began to realize that it's not just about the, the art. It's, it's also, I mean, music is also a science. It's, it's hard work and sacrifice and that kind of thing. And it reached a point where I've, I've become content with just being, I mean, being okay with, I mean, being an amateur, you know? Mm-hmm. Much as some people always like, yo, you should write songs. You should, I mean, take your guitar to the next level. I'm like, nah. I mean, there are people who do gigs and they practice, you know, six, seven hours a day, thirteen mm-hmm. hours a day, and and that's for them. Mm-hmm. So as much as they have that natural ability, there are other sides of 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 um, of artistry than that I have. I have better opportunities at playing my trade art and actually getting good at mm-hmm. so things like architecture, things like writing. Because there's a lot of, I said I, I to realize this recently, but there's a lot of transferable knowledge mm-hmm. in terms of if you, come, if you become good at one art, one, one art form, yep. you're basically encountering beauty and the, like really high standards of beauty and you begin to appreciate, you begin to be able to apply that in different places. Mm-hmm. And I only started realizing it in art school when people like friends of mine in my class would point out that, yo, you guys are actually more creative than many people. Like your ideas are usually out of this world. Mm-hmm. And then one guy just randomly pointed out, <laughs> so I, I really didn't see the connection, but I was like, yo, that actually makes sense, man. Uh-huh. Um, and just to talk a bit about beauty, there's this, this, this other multidisciplinary artist called Charles Nia, who's who we were having a conversation on a group about beauty, and he said there's this, um, he sees beauty in two ways. It's like the feminine kind of, if, if I can call it that, like the softer beauty that appeals to the heart, mm-hmm. that's more you know, a beautiful painting or a piece of music that just moves you in your heart. 
Mm-hmm. But there's also this other type of, you could say, masculine beauty that's more mathematical and geometry. And he mm-hmm. likened it to like, like Cristiano Ronaldo taking a free kick. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the more you um, become good at, the more you're like, you have base knowledge of one art form, the mm-hmm. more that 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 experience with beauty and the standards of beauty really you can transfer you can sort of transfer them into other um other different facets of your life and it 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 manifests in all sorts of ex- interesting ways just to mention like when you're talking to Walter in the last mm-hmm. episode I realized this guy has a crazy taste for music as mm-hmm. well as uh, I mean a photographer true and and I mean you also talked about JW at some point, I remember. That guy, <laughs> he checked an album this year, I think. That's just amazing. And the guy is a photographer, he's a drummer, he's a pianist. Yeah. So that type of, that transferable, the transferable skills that music starts, that start with music and basically permeate to other places, mm-hmm. I realize is something, something I'm, I'm very thankful that I've had to, that I've seen with my eyes and in with my hands and I've you know interacted with it and with people who also give give off that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So man you you've honestly said so much. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> Sorry guys for the technical difficulties. Uh, I apologize. Um but I know that you 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 say that two types of beauty because I'm just trying to internalize everything that you just mentioned. So you say yeah. feminine beauty is like I feel like feminine beauty has more to do with arts, you know, in yeah. a strange manner. And then the masculine is like the sciences, logic, philosophy, yeah. um, vibe. Man, I did not expect you at all to drop all these like nuggets of wisdom. But uh, I like I like I really like that. Like wow, um, I'm even kind of speechless. You see, guys, on this podcast, we <laughs> we educate each other, which is a is a very good thing. When my guests um, tell me things I I don't know, and I think there's uh, a weird quote by I don't know who said it, but it it's it's it goes something like, "What might be obvious to you." might be something oblivious to others so it's very good that you've mentioned all these things because i had no idea i mean every time i think about beauty myself i think only of the the feminine aspect of it and uh, it's even funny that you've mentioned all this because i was talking to my friend this weekend when we went for a walk and i asked him um like and you can also like answer this question by Mm -hmm. He, he okay he claims that if he was paid to do th- something that he loves he'd get yeah. easily bored of it he'd feel like it's an obligation what do you mm-hmm. what do you think about that if you were paid to do music architecture and you could balance everything mm-hmm. would you come to despise it or would you love it and keep pushing every single day to do what you love uh <laughs> Wow, this is this is a very interesting topic for me because I've been I've been really thinking about it this last few months. Mm-hmm. So 
there's an interesting quote um, that said something about some guy, I think it was on a thread, he was like, I never want to be the master of anything mm-hmm. because being a master means that there's nothing, like you're so good at what you're doing that there's really no much room for ex- exploration, you know? There's that learning curve is not as steep. You know, if you're not good at something, and I know you've played guitar, so when you're learning guitar, like when you're starting out, there's so little you know, such that mm-hmm. the enjoyment comes, like that learning curve at the beginning is so drastically high, but the better you become, there's only little more that you that you can do. I mean, if you're a classical pianist, mm-hmm. it, it's just very big. It can be, you can call it mechanical in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... Okay, what I think about being paid and things that you love, the reason I'm saying how, and, and I'm glad you mentioned it, there's this whole uh, pervasive thought that you should do what you love and you never have to work a day in your life, or or this maxim, this um, common phrase that's used in, in our day that um, follow your passion, you know, and make it your profession. And I think that's very... It's, it's, it's incomplete. It's not wrong. It's just incomplete because one thing you need to realize, and there's a lot of literature behind this, especially if you can, if you can look for this book or just, just listen to a summary because this guy has done a lot of talks on it. The author is called Dr. Carl Newport. Mm-hmm. He's written a book called So Good they, they, they Can't Ignore You. It's mm-hmm. basically a book about the real idea behind career success. and the idea goes that if you if you follow your passion, if you're told follow your passion, that um that first of all you it it's incumbent on you to have a pre-existing passion, you know. Mm-hmm. And following your passion almost always doesn't get you. I mean, if you're lucky, sometimes it gets you good at what you're doing. But the 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 the, the what's it called the the thought he proposes in this book is that don't just follow what your passion is, because most people, actually most people, like a very overwhelmingly high percentage don't have a pre-existing passion. So the best hope you can do is get good at something, mm-hmm. at a skill that is rare and valuable. And this is basically the summary of that whole book. Get good at a skill that is rare and valuable and use that to leverage. Once you get so good at it, you leverage um, control over your career mm-hmm. such that you can get where you want. And these examples are very many, bro. I mean, the guy himself who started this whole follow your passion thing, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, apparently, um, when he said it, he's talking about Apple and how you actually follow your, he actually, he's not like follow your passion, but for him, IT wasn't really his passion, man. The guy just stumbled upon it. Mm-hmm. But then that whole thing I told you about of confidence, competence loop, like you get really good at something and your passion actually develops during and you don't even need to look far just on your on your podcast i mean guys who've been here before like walter walter stumbled upon photography he did it nicely once mm-hmm. kept doing it yet got better the more he got better the more it became something he could actually trade in for money and leverage to actually create some actual career satisfaction mm-hmm. um another good I, I mean another good example i think is um i mean influencers of our day of course some of them it, it was an easy ride for them, as in, of course, they are very 
um, they had clout or they had, I mean, they naturally have a lot of things they want to talk about or they're good at makeup. But for yeah. most of them, they really had to get good at it first. And then they could actually leverage that power. So, I mean, even Elsa Majimbo, bro. <laughs> okay, hers is a very weird example, but you know, she actually co- consistently just chucked videos. Yeah. And she was good at making a certain demographic laugh. And that was it for her. I mean, six months into Corona, you, you, you're, you're on the page of uh, on the, getting features from Vogue and anyway. Um, Forbes recently as well. Forbes, what? I know. It's it's crazy. The opportunities that are that are I mean available to us is is just fantastic. It's just so anyway to to answer your question, like I'd say, don't do what you love, like but get good at something. Get really good at a skill that's rare <laughs> and valuable, and then it won't be about you. Naturally, get happy and good at it because your you have never you have control over your time like you can charge what you want yeah because you actually have the track record that can prove it you know mm-hmm. so but now the whole thing of being a master is again that i t- talked about earlier you don't be a master you also have to like be an amateur at some things like there's something you don't have to be perfect at there's some things i mean you just you just need to double at and not be good at them because that's where the best you could say the learning curve is the most steep, so that's why you have the most fun, you know. So I'd sort of agree with that statement of if you're being paid to do something that you love, mm-hmm. it's two ways. It's two ways. You 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 can really get happy and do it for the rest of your life, but that's if you're really good at it, and that's the the only way I I would say that you can't really choka. You can't really you can wake up every day and actually decide to do something because, of course, you know, our generation, one of the things we look for the most in our careers is satisfaction, man. We we are not the kind of generation that just goes in and does a job day after day after day. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't get that satisfaction. Of course, we, we, we look for other higher things and more fun things to do mm-hmm. that, can have, that we can possibly benefit from more. And mm. a lot more than the current generation. So I don't know if I've answered your question because I've just thrown, I've thrown a lot of different ideas in the air, but that's that's my thought on it. No, I, th- I think you've answered. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like now would be a good point to <laughs> answer the next segment where I ask my guest, um, three fire questions so these ones are like short questions they don't need to take any of like you know, like a large thinking process but uh are you ready i'm born ready man I i'm good. never ready <laughs> no that's a that's a bad pun man <laughs> um, so my first question is what's the last movie be a movie film or a series or documentary you watched? Uh, the last, wow. The last movie I watched was The 300. Uh-huh. The one for Gerard Butler. Yeah, the Battle of, um, what's it called? 
the, the hot dates. I don't know. Yeah, the 300. Mm-hmm. The, this is Sparta, that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Second question. Who would your dream dinner guest be, dead or alive? Either or. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Hey. Okay, let me not even think. Let me answer right now. Uh, dream dinner guest, Vusi, Vusi Tembekwayo, uh, South African mm-hmm. public speaker, venture capitalist, oh, thinker. Like, um, talks so well. Yeah. He speaks very well. And he's young. And he's How buff. old is he? So, yeah. He's like 35, man. I would have never guessed it. He's been in the game since. Yeah, 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 so he's he's quite experienced. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see them required. Okay. And last question, what's one item that you can't live without? Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, one item that I can't live without. My mouse, my, the mouse I used to work, because without it, I basically can't do anything on a laptop. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anything else that I can give that much importance to. No, that's that's interesting. I, I I don't think I was expecting that. I don't know if the listeners would also expect you to say that, but <laughs> nice, nice. Um so now I feel like since we've talked about uh, your music and you mentioned a bit, you know, getting into Quaver, I'm not going to like get into that one, I think, for this episode. I feel like Quaver itself would be uh, a larger conversation because I'm sure there's so much to do with it. Um, yeah. But, okay, because I'm tempted. I'm very tempted to ask you <laughs> about it, but... Um, <laughs> Okay, okay. You know what? I will. I'll just ask you. Just a short part, but... um, So, did you get into Quaver for the singing or the acting? And then, if if singing led to acting, what would you say Mm -hmm. is the experience of getting into character versus being yourself? Did you find it difficult? (laughs) Wow. Uh... Sour. I'll be as brief as possible. Number one, I got into it because of singing. Uh-huh. Uh, that was just, yeah, it was not even a thought. Like, I just, I was one of the singers, one of the tenors. And acting came quite serendipitously. It was just a by mistake. One of the actors was not going to be there for the last show of 2017. The, the first the, the first show we did, it was called Rira. So the first, the last um the last installment of the show that we did. So I had to learn how to become somebody that was totally different from my natural um, demeanor. Somebody who was loud, angry, um, rash. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it as in, I remember the day before, like technical rehearsals, because the show was maybe on a Friday and this was on, I think, a Thursday. I, I was just not doing it. And everyone is like, yo, just get angry, man. Get angry because I'm supposed to play a guy who, in the first scene of the show, gets shot. Like he's a soldier who's been captured and they're taking no prisoners. So he's just like, ha ha ha, I know I'm gonna die, kind of thing. And yeah. 
I just couldn't be angry. I couldn't shout. It, I, I just didn't have a place in my belly to chuck these things from because I've just never been that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and one of the one of the guys in the in the in the crew who actually knows my family and that kind of thing was just like, yeah, you know, I understand because his his family generally everyone's chill. And I was like, yeah, I really related with that. So one of the greatest actors I've ever had the, the privilege of meeting. His name is Morris Mwangi. Mm-hmm. Morris the actor. Hey, so that guy took me into the field at Breban. Yeah. And just sat me down and was like, okay, didn't sit me down. He's just like, okay, so this is how we're going to do it. And in like six, seven minutes, he just talked me through getting into a character. And I was, it took a while, but I started getting the hang of just being, just not being yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to dive into somebody else's experience. You have to imagine something that's not yours. And then, I mean, he was just like, yeah, you're ready. So we go on stage. I, to be honest, I don't remember how I, how it happened. I just got in, um, did the whole thing. I was shouting, I was screaming, I was laughing like a crazy person. Then I was fake. So I think I was even beaten because you know, like you're shouting, and this guy's yeah. have to beat you. And you know, whatever we tend to like, especially the guys. I mean, you don't hold back on blows. You don't because most of the acting is improvised. Yes. So even people in the crowd later on were telling me I was slapped, and me I didn't even know, man. Me I was just feeling my face after. I'm like, oh, I was slapped. <laughs> so I, I did the thing, like I got into character, got in, uh, got fake killed, I got out, and people lost their minds backstage. They're like, guys, who was that? Oh my God, it was Jerome. What? You were so amazing. I didn't even know it was you, man. Where did that come from? And I was like, no, I don't know. And it just introduced me to that side of acting that's just, I think, the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Um so in terms of, I don't have enough experience as an actor to know about the being yourself versus <clears throat> being someone else. I think mm-hmm. it depends also on the character that you're playing. Because yep. the next year, the next show, we did a character, we did a, um, I played a character who was like a, sh- a shake, a very um, interesting guy. So it was very much in my, 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 in my character, in very much like me. So it wasn't yeah. that hard. It was quite fun. But, I mean, these things, they just generally have, I don't even know how to explain it, man. In the moment, you just have to be so focused inwards. Like, you, you have to get it from inside. Such that whether it's being yourself, whether it's getting all your lines correctly, because all of these things are things you probably know. You've practiced them enough times. Mm-hmm. So you just have to tap into some weird self-belief deep down somewhere and then adrenaline kicks in and you just do the job and you come off stage especially in theater i mean in in film and the rest those ones that have you have many different cuts I, i'm not so sure but i think it's the same process like getting into character is is a skill you have to perfect it mm-hmm. and once you do it's you don't even recognize yourself and it's amazing it's an amazing thing yeah i think i've answered as well as I can. Well, you know, Loki, I wish I could act. I feel like it it would be such an enjoyable thing, but my problem would be remembering mm-hmm. lines. Cause uh I think this was I think this was last year. My friend for her film class was told to come up with like a short, maybe six, six to seven minute film. And so she asked yeah. me like if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah. uh, okay, let me let me try. Actually, it's on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if I should embarrass myself and (laughs) 
put it <laughs> put it in the in the podcast episodes uh description maybe i will maybe i will maybe you know what guys yeah i'll put it i'll put it there it's time to show my my acting skills <laughs> but yeah i'm telling you it was such a it was such a funny thing because yeah. i think personally i sometimes i'm a perfectionist and i like getting things done in a particular way so every time yes. i mess up i don't know how to improvise like i'd get yeah. so mad and then we'd have to like shoot so many times and go to yeah. a point she was like wait like come see get yourself together i don't care if yeah. you don't remember the lines just make up something that's along yeah. like the theme of what i'm trying to bring out and i was like uh-huh. so so eventually uh we got it done um you guys will tell me what you think about it <laughs> i wouldn't say too much yeah. about uh the film so i'll let yeah. you watch it for yourself um but let me take you back a bit because i know this you mentioned this and you said that you are an orator as well and i know you you joined toastmasters so i wanted to ask you what's your experience uh you know doing or actually joining toastmasters and you know uh coming up with speeches and delivering it in front of people as well ah okay uh toastmasters actually came during corona man it was maybe it's 6 7 months which april or in december so 12 months it's probably 8 months into the <clears throat> into the into the making but before that my first stint at actually at public speaking was actually a speech i gave for my bro mm-hmm. um i think i actually given a whole speech a whole five minute speech into his masters about my whole speaking experience uh, but mm-hmm. generally in high school i remember <laughs> i remember my first traumatic experience with public speaking came in from one where i joined this debate between a and alpha this inter the streams the different streams of form 1 uh-huh. i was just like i mean i thought i should be good at it so i got up there and i was completely annihilated by valiant oh my gosh <laughs> i was totally unprepared yeah i thought i breezed through it but he was well prepared i mean he was basically the kind of person now that with time i've tried to develop into becoming the kind of person who's been very well prepared to you know the whole context and the whole constraints of what you're going to do so mm-hmm. since from one i didn't really hey, I, was, i was just like nah uh, public speaking has its people it's not for me but last year around mid last year i gave a speech for my brother's uh graduation yeah because graduation party and people really liked it because yeah i i purposed for it to be enjoyable because i was just roasting my bro the whole time mm-hmm. so i was giving a balance of very uncomfortable things but with a very light tone and people mm-hmm. like yeah you should do stand ups do what and then i volunteered to to be the mc for a quiver event mm-hmm. which is around september and same thing happened like people just come up after to you and they're like yo you did really well and you you should really do stand up and it's coming from people who are actors people who are i mean guys who have like they 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 are killing it from what they are doing but they they see that side of you and they point it out and you actually start believing in yourself 
So, and the, 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 the basically the, the common factor between these two experiences is that I was just very well prepared. Like for the whole week, I'd write down all the jokes I'd say. I'd be very clear on who I'm talking to, the times, the when, and where I enter. So that's now snowballed Kidogo because in December, because mm-hmm. I mean, there's a small theater, the, the, the first Quiver play that I can see, 100 mm-hmm. people or less. And then in December, now there's another bigger show, like 400 people, and I am seen again. But this time, I was like, I said, I'm going all out, I'm preparing. I even did, I got, I played different characters, I dressed up, I I just, I did the whole bit, you know, and people loved it again. People's parents were coming up after, after me, saying, oh, this is the comedian. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. And it was, it was, it was really an eye-opening experience. So, Every time now Quiver had a show after that, like there's another one in February where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I again prepared myself very well. And each of these experiences was just building up upon each other, upon this experience, this, the previous one, mm-hmm. where it's, it's basically a science. The science part of it, once you get it right, once you get, you basically, you talked about something in acting where you can't improvise. And I think... I wanted to mention that it's a skill. Improvisation is, <laughs> this is this is a bit of now more philosophy. The act of being able to improvise is just basically going back to first principles mm-hmm. when things just don't go your way. So once you're very well prepared, if things don't go well, it's easy to go back to first principles. Mm-hmm. So now Corona happened after the last gig I did, but now during Corona, I found a JQuad Toastmasters poster and I was like, yo, this is public speaking. I remember Toastmasters is a public speaking thing, so let me just join. Mm-hmm. And within the first two, three meetings, I was in my element, man. I It was over Zoom. So half of these people, not half, like 99%, okay, 90% of these people in the gym, yeah. but the club um, I, I joined, they've never met me before. But mm-hmm. I mean, I because of the genuineness of how much psych I put into it, how much preparation I put into my speeches, how to bring a lot of energy to the meetings, actually took, I took a liking to these people and they, of course, reciprocated it and energies were matching and mini mini. Next thing I know, I became an official and I haven't even met these guys. Like I became a club official, got some responsibility. So yeah, it's it's been a powerful thing because you realize um, it's not just a, a good thing to have. I mean, very many people, even successful people, Warren Buffett said the, the one best investment he ever did was paying for a Dale Carnegie um, public speaking course when he was, mm-hmm. when he was young, in his 30s. And many authors have said, like, if you, if you, if you really want to like, make a mark, not see you make a mark, but actually be valuable on top of your skill set, like on top of the basic skill that you have, you should aim to, okay, Tim Ferriss said this, uh, the guy who wrote the four-hour work week, he said you should aim to at least have one or more than one of the three following skills. So it's negotiation, mm-hmm. skills of negotiation, um, and then writing and public speaking. So generally, mm-hmm. if you can do one of those things better, I mean, one of those things well in a, to a good degree and yep. of course you're doing your own thing whether you're an engineer or, or what if you can basically express yourself 
because I mean, business is done with people, not with machines. So you generally can get people to give you money. You can get people to to trust you. You can you can get people to actually invest in your idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, if you think about it, influencers, um, all sorts of people who are making it big in our generation are easily are easily doing very well one certain one of those things of just expressing yourself really well to some people because that's how once you make that connection i guess you you can crack open a whole area of opportunity even if you're a coder if you have a blog for coding where you just express something you just talk about coding or if you have a blog about um i don't know toys <laughs> ryan's toys reviews never mm-hmm. keep on youtube generally there's a lot you can do with that kind of skill set. So it's not just for few people. I think that's a very bad mindset to have. If you can just learn how to express yourself, one of those three ways, get good at, just do a course, um, or just get interested in people who do courses like those. It opens up very good opportunities. So for me, um, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where it's going because I'm still getting better every day learning from my mistakes and of course still trying to get better at the main thing I'm doing, which is architecture. Mm-hmm. But these are things now get a, a better spin because not everyone does writing in architecture, not everyone does speaking in architecture. So mm-hmm. I don't know, hopefully I can craft a sort of niche for myself, but we'll see as time goes, we'll see. But I think the sense I'm getting is that you're, you're actually a polymath. In case you didn't know. Uh, I, I, wow. Maybe. I mean, think about it like this, because you, you do architecture, you sing, yeah. you play music, yeah. you can draw. Those are already four things I've mentioned. And well, five, you like running, which is something you've picked up, you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, there are like two other things I can say because you played rugby. I mean, the list can go on, man. So I feel like in a weird sense, like Steve Jobs, for example, you know, Mm -hmm. taking like a calligraphy class, he didn't know how he was going to use it, but eventually, you know, it popped off in Apple. So you never know, man. Like you said, if you're setting your own niche, you just never know where it's going to come into play. You know, yep. in a couple of years, we'll find out. But, man, that's, that's good stuff you're doing, especially, like, with the Toastmasters. I wish you all the best with that. And, man, you're dropping names of authors I really like. Like, when you mentioned Tim Ferriss and the four-hour work week, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this guy actually knows Tim Ferriss. Interesting. Because, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man. Like, for me, I know when it comes to books i'm i'm i don't i'm more inclined to read books that have to do with either personal development creativity uh, or like happiness because i i don't know i think i think i feel like me and you are really on the same path because i'm getting uh, like a lot of personal development vibes from you which is which is a great thing i yeah. i know like for me it's one one goal that i've made is that every year i have to improve myself you know in a, in a in a strange way like i know i was talking to like rogi and moniki shout out to rogi and moniki and they told me like 
bro, like you've changed. Like the person you are in January is not the person you are right now. And I was like, like how how so? They were like, you know, man, I don't know what it is for you, but ever since like you know you picked up the guitar, man, like you just you just change rapidly. Like you're more tuned with yourself. I feel like you're more emotional. You're you're more vulnerable. You know, that's. Eh, I don't know if I should. Eh, this is. <laughs> I shouldn't do this. I, I'm feeling all sappy. <laughs> and we, we. <laughs> but I'll end it. I'll end it there. I'll end it there. Hey, nah, nah, nah. Can't. <laughs> and guys, this has nothing about being toxic. <laughs> But there's some information I I, I can't divulge. <laughs> but you you get what i'm talking about i feel like um this 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 entire talk has been has been so great man and i know we're we're running out of time but i would like your closing thoughts and my question for you the ultimate question is what's one book that you've read that you mm-hmm. you recommend other people to like read or it could be a podcast you listen to um mm. also it could be like a documentary or film that you've watched that you want other people to know about wow wow um okay a book i've read okay i'm actually currently reading it mm-hmm. it's called it's called guide guide for the perplexed mm-hmm. by a guy called ef schumacher it's 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 an interesting book it's philosophical it has it's basically talking about philosophical philosophical map making basically um how to see the world and how to see yourself yeah and of course it has a very you know judeo christian twist to it but the, the the core of the book is realizing that yo um we have been deluded to think that as humans we live okay of course not deluded but we've been convinced by scientific um by a lot of scientific advancement that we live in a very two dimensional world like we see ourselves as just higher developed animals and everything is just chaos and rudimentary and we're just a product of you know of what's the word of happenstance of of just calamity stuff just happening but this book if you read it with an open eye of course it's quite it's quite a mouthful it's it's really gets into some very interesting um, and deep um thoughts but it's it's really powerful in that that third dimension of of the supernatural it gives a very interesting way of understanding it with reason mm-hmm. and for somebody who and i think i'd like to think that our generation as much as we don't think we are we are very inclined to faith even though it's not you know what whatever the the, the orthodox kind of faith we've been ascribed to it that whole process of how one of these philosophers puts it believe that you may understand as opposed mm-hmm. to understand that you may believe like there's so much about humans that is so much more than a just a collection of atoms and and random chemical and physical reactions in the body there's so much more mm-hmm. 
So I'm I'm still I'm I'm diving into this, that book every single day. I've been doing it for the last few weeks, and mm-hmm. I'd recommend it for everyone. It will not it will not actually get you to for force you to start, um, you know, doing some things, or it won't change your 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 life as drastically. But it will change your perspective and, and make you realize that yo, I think there's a lot more. Is there's a whole other dimension that even though we can't see it, it's a good thing. Like there's a lot more than the eye can see. Mm. And this is like the, the physical eye because there's the whole eye of the soul you get. Like even Buddhists call it, the, I think, the eye of the soul. So when you start trying to, when somebody explains it, of course, with images and pictures that can form in your head and a lot of arguments that are very well thought out it, it paints a very good picture so I'd, I'd recommend that i don't know if it's available online it's a pretty old book but it's called guide for the perplex so yeah actually i think i have a pdf version of it if i think because yeah. i know adrian's the one who told me about it but i kept it in like my yeah. storage and i said I'd, I'd go read it but i haven't like hopped onto it yet but so the guy's book is um, Guide to the Perplexed by E.F. Schumacher, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's dope, that's dope. Well, mine, mm-hmm. uh, we've come to the end. Um, geez, you have said so much. I'm still, I'm still thinking about everything you mentioned from the confidence and com- it was competence as well, the, the loop. Yeah, confidence, competence loop, yeah. Yeah, bro. That's fantastic stuff, man. Um, I want to thank all of the listeners for getting this far. And this time around, I'm working to get the podcast up on Apple. I know there's some few people who've asked me, like, can you get it on Apple? I'm working very hard on that. So just be a bit more patient. And to my new listeners, (laughs) Thank you for giving me your your time and everyone else as well. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I do not take all your support and feedback for granted. Thank you very much. And Jerome, thank you for your time. I know <laughs> we've had a couple of technical difficulties in this episode, but it's come through and I'm so happy for that, man. And yeah. Obviously, you're my boy, and I wish you all the best in everything you do. Thank you for Aww, opening up my perspectives, you. man. <laughs> for real, for real. Hey, 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 no jokes, no jokes, man. Hey, no, don't. <laughs> like, I'm being serious, man. But, but yeah, thank you so much, bro. Like, for real, for real, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Guys, Um, this mm-hmm. episode is going to drop probably today is what? Thursday. It's going to drop tomorrow. I'm going to get it up to you guys tomorrow, and I'm gonna drop another episode the next day so stay tuned for that um Uh and also just as a as a heads up the season finale is gonna be a special one because your boy will be back in the motherland and i'm hoping to record it in kenya so that's gonna be a very special episode um yeah so guys thank you very much once again jerome again thank you for your time and i will see you guys the next time thank you and goodbye